Green Room on Air. Green Room on Air. The podcast that takes you beyond the velvet curtains and into the pulsating heart of the entertainment world. Hey, folks, this is Ray Renati, and you have reached Green Room on Air. How y'all doing? I hope you're doing all right. The world's in a shambles, but we'll make it. We will survive as we always have as a race, the human race. Today we have a very special guest. His name is Mr. Dory Engel, and he is an actor and director and independent theater producer from Israel. I know Dory from my time at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art many years ago. Dory is a, a, a passionate theater artist, and I am so glad that he's on the show today. I have so much feeling and empathy for the people of Israel and Palestine right now, and Dory talks about that in length and in detail, and it's extremely interesting. Dory is a very, very talented theater artist. He's performed at all the major theaters in Israel and has produced incredible shows on his own, so I am so happy to have him here. So I think, folks, without any further ado, I bring you Mr. Dory Engel. It's great to see you. Now, we we were at RADA together how many years ago? Mm. Royal Academy of Dramatic Art? <laughs> 2009 2009 so, wow so that's this is 223 so that's 14 years or so wow, 14 years yeah it's hard to believe it is hard to believe so what what are you up to now are you working on any theatrical projects well it's all been stopped since the war began so we don't see any cultural events here at all okay the whole country no shows no entertainment at all what you what you do see is amazing artists going to volunteer you know to shelters places where you have you know families or evacuees from from the south towns and villages so they go there to you know to entertain the people and to you know to amuse the children yeah, but so all all my projects stopped. I'm I've been directing, teaching. I was about to start directing The Crucible by Arthur oh. Miller in an acting studio in Ramat Gan, which is practically Tel Aviv. But now, even in Tel Aviv, you have you know missiles and and alarms. So mm. we are currently at my wife's um, family in the in a northern town in Israel. We're staying there. I see. Oh, so you had to move. Yeah, oh. so, um, yeah. My, oh, my wife's a nurse, so she's she's commuting to Tel Aviv. She's she works there in a hospital. So yeah, and for me, like all all the all the shows, all the rehearsals cancelled until further notice. So I'm I'm here with with our daughter, with our three year old daughter. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you have a three year old daughter. Congratulations. Yeah, Do you have thanks. any other kids? Just the three-year-old girl? No, no, yeah, just yeah. just her. Yeah. All right. She is amazing. So now the, I think my most of my efforts are to you know to keep this bubble of you know of warmth and nice activities because there, there are no there's no kindergarten you know so so everything's been put on hold. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. So. When you say help, helping when the artists are going there to entertain and give comfort to the people from the South, are you talking about 
refugees from Gaza, or are you talking about Israelis or both? Or okay, yeah. So I, I think yeah. To make it clear for for those who yeah, uh, who, yeah, hear the news and are not uh, deeply involved in the exactly, situation. Exactly, because we get. I don't think we get a lot of accuracy over here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I can't tell you. Unfortunately, the things that are so clear from our perspective, it's all so no. com- complex. Right. But uh, you know, it, uh, this current war situation began when there was a, a very cruel Hamas attack on on civilians in the southern border, the border with Gaza. Oh yes. Uh, so in uh, uh, very cruel attack, and our army somehow wasn't prepared enough for this kind of attack and and the terrorists could you know break the the fence the border and uh, invaded the towns and and just massacred and and also took uh, hostages there are like around 200 uh, people kidnapped children and families uh, in gaza right now so people from these uh, towns, the, the survivors, were evacuated to other places and shelters. And, and the, these are the places where some artists go and, you know, and, and entertain. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. I guess they, they have moved, they've been moved to a safer uh, place. And uh, we in Israel, we don't have any contact to Palestinians in Gaza. Of course, uh, the situation there is terrible because of yeah. Israeli bombing. So they have their refugees, and uh, there's some relief in the fact. That I I heard also in the news that the the UN succeeded to create some some refugee tents and some areas so people can be safe because because these bombings are, are very cruel as well to to civilians. And so the but we we don't have contact with them, and to, just to make the situation even more complex, I, I can just say that there are not only Jews, of course, in Israel. There are Palestinian Israelis, Israeli citizens yes. that they don't live in the West Bank, they don't live in Gaza, but they are Palestinians and they are Israeli citizens. So imagine the situation that you are some of these. Um, Israeli Arabs, Israeli Palestinians have been injured or killed by these attacks. Some of these uh, Palestinians have families in Gaza. So they are being attacked and then part of their families are being bombed. And now if you show any identification or empathy towards Palestinian civilians being bombed or, or being injured, you are treated with with criticism because in 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 the public now they don't want to hear about freedom to Palestine, right? And we have a government led and ruled by extreme rightists that don't see even Palestinians as 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 human beings. So so there's a lot of racism going on that that increases the the confusion. Yeah, so, so that is right. uh, that is a very sad situation. <clears throat> yeah, we are we are deeply depressed here. Uh, I feel more depressed than I have ever been. I think uh, d- during well, this conflict, you always have uh, you know 
I've, uh, in my work as an artist, you know, this theater, independent theater maker, I try um, to see myself in a way as an activist to work and collaborate Palestinians and Israelis as much as I can, uh, which is <clears throat> mostly with with the Israeli Palestinians, right? Because we cannot really collaborate with those in the in the West Bank or Gaza. But uh, I can just tell you about one project that that we did um, uh, just a year ago. Uh, it was uh, we created a group of of Palestinian Israeli artists, an adaptation of Romeo and Juliet in uh, Arabic and Hebrew. Oh. And there was, it was such a unique experience, even a therapeutic experience in a way for us to meet together some of the crew, some of the people haven't worked with 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 uh, artists of, from the other side of, of the narrative and collaborating and uh, acting in in Hebrew and Arabic. And we also toured with this production to Germany, to a few cities, and it was such a special feeling that we, we felt that we bring some hope for a different perspective, for a different future, and we show the world even that, that people are people. And when there's love and there's hope and we want to, to spread love and not hate, yeah. something can change. And with this situation going now, going on now, we we have a WhatsApp group, and we we try to keep in touch and hear if everybody's safe and all that. And there's there's a lot of depression. This experience all of a sudden looks so far away, and as as if in a fantasy. The the experience of Romeo and Juliet. And the camaraderie yeah, of, that you of, had there, yeah, yeah, of the hope. So you you really don't know what's going to happen next, and if there's a hope for for a change in this area. Yeah, you know, the only thing I can relate to with all this is nine eleven. But we're a much bigger country, so most of us didn't know anybody in that disaster. But we had a similar thing. You know, we had a very right wing government. And even all the left-wing government officials decided to exact revenge, you know, on yes. Iraq and Afghanistan, claiming it wasn't revenge. But it was because there was so much anger. It's not my first response. It sounds like it's not yours. So it's painful to watch. Gosh, I'm getting all, I'm getting tearing up just talking about it. I feel really bad for you and all and all of your and everyone there. You know, it's really affected me. I try to I try to get a balanced view. I, I watch I watch like CNN and ABC News, you know, our main stations, and then I switch over and I watch Al Jazeera, and then I see it's like there's people suffering horribly everywhere. Innocent people who have nothing who are just trying to live. Those are the people who suffer, and and. The people with the power never do. Yeah, exactly. And everyone's the same. Everyone has children. Everyone wants to just live their life and love their families and do the best they can. And it's not it's not going to be allowed, you know. Yeah, I I totally feel that 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 these feelings are or these questions are here in the air. Um, among people I talk with, and I cannot in any way judge people, the anger on the 
the will for revenge of of uh, of people in in grief. You know, people who lost their, course, their dear course. ones. Right. But th- this is always a question, and uh, there's a famous poem by a by Palestinian poet Mahmoud Darwish, who says, uh, "Excuse me for paraphrasing something like." Uh, in the end, the war will end and the leaders will shake their hands. Yes. But the, the old mother will still wait for her dead son and the wife will still wait for her beloved husband and the children will still wait for their hero father. I don't know, he says, who sold whose land to whom, but I know who paid the price. Oh, God. Yeah, so true. That's uh, very, very true. What it, it's very impactful, and uh, yeah, the crucible. You were going to do the crucible, and now you're not. Mm-hmm. I hope that it's on hold. Maybe you'll be able to do it again. Yeah, sort of uh, an apropos play for what's happening right now. It's too bad mm-hmm. you can't do it. Yeah, uh, actually, I thought about this idea because you know, before this war began, we were in the, the middle of protests against our government's behavior i i mentioned before that they're real extremists and yeah. i think you know there were hundreds of thousands of people going to the streets to protest against uh, actions which might change the the way this state acts and behaves you know right a lot of uh, laws to uh, weaken the supreme court to give more power to the government, which might even not be, you know, we, we might not even be able to balance this power or to criticize this power. So it's it's getting out of <laughs> territories of democracy into territories of, of dictatorship. So I think, you know, when you speak, when you, when you think about the, the crucible and the way people are being, you know, brainwashed towards, you know, black and right, and these are the enemies, and this is the justice, and and the result is the opposite. The result is is, is hatred, is cruelty, and uh, so against this wave, I think there, there ha- must be a reaction. Yes, yes. It's, you know, we we have a similar thing going on here. Even Joe Biden now, who is the Democrat, when, it com- when push comes to shove, you know he's going to stick with your your right wing government make no criticism at all give them we're giving more money than over the 6 billion or whatever we give something like that every year now um and he's just doing it on his own you know the president of the united mm-hmm. states i want i want him to help push for peace but that's that's not what's happening I don't know what else to say. It's just, it's so sad. You know, I, so when I was a kid growing up, the the things that scared the hell out of me were Vietnam, the Vietnam War, because I was afraid I was going to have to go. Fortunately, (laughs) it ended a few years before that happened. And conflict in the Middle East and and this constant fear I had that it was going to cause another world war. And, and now I'm 62 years old and it's still, it's still the thing, you know. Yeah, I, I just don't, I, I don't. What's the solution? How 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 is peace going yeah. to happen? Do Do you have yeah. any idea? I, I can't think of one. 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's terrible to think that generation after generation people grow up inside this conflict. And when I think yeah. about Palestinian children yeah, since '67 and before, you know, the, the conflict began, yeah, and there were yeah, but 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 under occupation in in Gaza in the West Bank, children are grow up. Uh, with this uh, situation as a reality, soldiers, riots, you know, not being able to have freedom of, of movement, and sometimes very rough conditions. And this is what they know. This is what they know of of, of Jews and Israelis, you know, right. soldiers and guns, and there's hatred and there's suffering, and and now with the years of settlement being encouraged and buildings so you could see year after year that the solution is just getting farther away because the the way even to to make a solution on the map is is harder because th this is what the extremists want the settlers they want to create you know one bunch of territory which would be covered with israeli Settle with Jewish settlements, so the Palestinians couldn't divide and have their own territories. And right now, they kind of pretty much rule these areas, and they sometimes chase Palestinians from their lands and you know from their fields, and they act with a lot of violence, not limited by Israeli army, sometimes encouraged by Israeli army. So it's kind of it's 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 a wild west there. Yeah, I heard they turn the they turn a a blank eye. You know, they don't really pay attention. They just let it happen. Yeah, as I, long I, as you don't stop the occupation, so the 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 peace looks more far away. Yesterday, I was watching the news, Arab news, and I saw some settlers. Yesterday, went to, were in the West Bank, and they just decided to go to some Arab home and shoot it up, like for apparently no reason whatsoever. I don't really understand. I guess this is a religious thing, the settlements. They believe that it, they should have this land in its entirety based on thousands of years ago. Is that basically Yeah, religion? I think it's a combination. It's a, like nationalism and religion. I see. Combined. And and they have the, you know, the, the agenda that's very clear agenda of, of taking over, you know, the whole territory and to chase away Palestinians. So what are the economies like out there? So if you move into these settlements, like what do people do to make money and live? And I mean, are there towns where there's Palestinians and Israelis coming together but they, to, to, to do commerce? Or how does all that work? Mm, I don't know much, but I, uh, from what I know, there's a lot of money going there from the government, from, you know, very powerful people to to support these settlements. And for instance, when you have a new settlement, according to the law, not just the international law, but also the law in Israel, still, the Supreme Court might say, this is a Palestinian, private Palestinian property in this area, you cannot build a settlement there. But then the state somehow, you know, avoids and this thing, do happen in the in the field and then there's a lot of money going there and then you have money going for you know roads and infrastructure 
And you have to send uh, people, you know, the army sends guards and with guards to secure. So a lot of money going to, you know, for security and all that. And uh, when you have a Palestinian uh, new village, let's say, in a place which most of the time supposed to be in their own private, you know, territory or or government, usually you you don't get approvals, you know, for buildings and you know to to expand the the village, let's say. So they they limit it more and more. Or you have some that you know blocks and borders to limit the movement to limit the expansion, you know, the expanding of Palestinian villages. Sometimes, you know, because of the violence, they chase them away and then they get control. And uh, they you see a lot of plants, plantations of olive trees, old, hundreds of years olive trees being, being, being cut by settlers, you know, vandalism. They cut, they cut the Palestinian fields and then they, they want to, you know, to, or to take over these fields. Sometimes, uh, cynically, you see, uh, you know, Palestinians that they need work. So they go and work in the settlers' fields. They go to work to build the settlers' houses. I see. Wow. So th- this is the, the, you know, the few, the, the little that I know. Yeah. But a lot of a lot of injustice, a lot of injustice is going on there, and nobody nobody really stops it. I I know some lawyers that I admire, you know, human rights lawyers that are fighting for the freedom of movement, for the freedom of 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 the rights of Palestinian there, of of building, of being, of just being there, of having their water, because sometimes the the settlers or the army are blocking uh, wells of water. So they will not have what to drink, and they will have to go away. Um, Is it true that that's happening in Gaza now? We're getting reports here that Israel has turned off the water for Gaza. Is that actually true? I can't say officially. Uh, you know, I know, yeah. I know as much as you know. I but, see. but I, I, I won't be surprised because of what I've seen before. I won't be surprised if the it's. If it if I hear that it's only due to um, the American pressure, to Biden's pressure, that the Israeli government allowed you know humanitarian support and, and supply, unfortunately, I've lost confidence and you know trust in my government that they will be as moral as I expect them to be. Well, I thought we'd take just a short break to remind you that if you're enjoying this podcast, please tell your friends. And also subscribe to it on your favorite podcasting platform, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and also give it a rating. It really helps in the algorithm. And we have a website. It's greenroomonair.com. You can also listen to all the episodes there. In addition, we have a YouTube channel called Green Room on Air with Ray Renati. Just search on that and you can find it and subscribe there as well. Thank you so much. And now back to my conversation with Dory Engel. Yeah, well, we have this not we don't have it at the same level as you do right now, but we have the same thing going on here, you know, with Trumpism and make America great again. And I don't know to what extent you've heard about all this, but it's quite it's been quite a nightmare. Families not speaking to one another anymore, all kinds of violence and 
Trump still get having half the votes in the United States. It looks like if there was an election now, it would be close. And here he is charged with 91 felonies or misdemeanors and indictments. And it's like a gangster is running for president. <laughs> yeah, sounds pretty close to what we, we see in our parliament. Yeah, and it's very depressing. Yeah, it is. It is. One thing that you said that I think a lot of Americans don't realize is that there are a lot of Israeli citizens who are Palestinian in Israel. I don't think a lot of Americans know that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, so just like you said, just imagine the how tormenting that must be for them, for their, and they all, probably most of them have family right over the border. Yeah, I yeah. can't imagine myself how how tormenting it must be, and, yeah. and their torn identity, and the, you know the. Yeah, I I can't imagine what they are yeah. going through. Yeah, yeah. You know, I met Arthur Miller once. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what an honor. Yeah, he. There's a lot of noise here. That we're getting our roof replaced. Hopefully, it's not going to ruin the recording. I put the noise suppression on Zoom, so hopefully that'll work. But yeah, yeah we had to because we had all this rain and it was raining in the house, so we were getting a new roof. But yeah, about twenty five, about twenty or twenty five years ago, he came to a university here, San Jose State, and they had an Arthur Miller, two weeks of Arthur Miller shows, and all. And he came for a few days, and I stood in line. I was last in line. It was hours, and I got up to the front. And we talked for about 10 minutes because I had done Death of a Salesman. I played Biff like or just a little bit before that. And and he went to the performance. He, he saw you. No, no, he didn't. But but we but he was there do, signing autographs. And I was the last person in line. There was hundreds of people. And he was he was finally done. And he signed my copy of a view from the bridge. And and we we talked for about 10 minutes. We talked about Death of a Salesman. We talked about his i don't even remember but <laughs> did you get some insights from from him about about death of a salesman not really not really i i had known so much about it i mean i knew that he had written the first act in like a week and you know i i was just kind of dumbfounded i mean it was so long ago i can't remember exactly what we talked about i just know it went on for about 10 minutes um wow what an experience yeah and one of this is a silly thing, but you know, Mar he was merely married to Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. And all I had ever seen of that were pictures of him and Marilyn Monroe. And he looked like such a bookish, nerdy guy. And uh, I was like, what did Marilyn Monroe, the most beautiful woman on earth, you know, marry this guy? And then and then when I met him, he's like so he's like six two, super strong and muscular and like extremely like virile and i like okay i get it now mm. <laughs> he wasn't this super nerdy guy that i thought which, which would have been fine too but yeah. i was always like, as a kid i was always like well how could she have married and look at they don't fit together and then i i met him and he, i had completely the wrong impression of him. yeah and i guess uh, i know that sounds silly but yeah no. You can add to it the, the charm and the intelligence and all that of the humor. Right, exactly. Uh, all those other things. Yeah, then it all made sense to me, you know. Because yeah. for some reason, I had this picture of him sort of like a recluse, introverted guy, you know, and that's 
wasn't what he yeah. was at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a great experience. So so when you did Romeo and Juliet with the cast of Israeli and Palestinian people, and that's what it was, right? I got that yes. right. Yeah. Yeah. Did you did you were the Montagues and Capulets, were they mixed in terms of national affiliations or did you have like Israelis on one side and <laughs> Palestinians on the other? Or how did you yeah, do that? I, I divided it really to sides because it was part of what I wanted to say with this play. Okay. Okay. I, I saw this play as first and foremost as a love of two young people from two sides of a political conflict. Yes. Okay. A bloody political conflict. People are dying for both sides. It's danger. It's dangerous to, you know, to climb on the wall and go to the balcony <laughs> of, of, of Juliet. Uh, and so and she says, you know, they will kill you. And he says, you know, I don't mind. I love you. Right. <laughs> so, right. So yeah. the, the danger is there. And seeing it from the perspective of our narratives, identities, the conflict, it kind of shed new light. And this is what the you know the link that I wanted to make. You know, it the the is their hope for love, for life, for innocence in a bloody area and situation, you know, of people, you know, just, you know, promoting hate and death. Is it possible for a flower to bloom in a graveyard? So, and Romeo was Palestinian and, and all Montague spoke Arabic and Juliet was Jewish, Israeli, and the whole couple spoke Hebrew. Oh, and when wow. they when they met, we kind of played with with both languages. So they we found a way that they could, you know, without changing Shakespeare's words, we we switched between Arabic and Hebrew. So because they love each other, they understand each other. How wonderful! Wow. So. Do do audience do audiences understand both languages on the, for the mm -hmm. most part? So in Israel, we we performed our home theater is the Jaffa Theater. Jaffa is next to is a town next to Tel Aviv, and there's a, an amazing place called the Arab Hebrew Theater. It's one of the very few and unique places where you have collaborations and performances in Arabic and Hebrew. So most of the Jewish Israelis, unfortunately, including myself, have very poor Arabic because they don't teach us in schools Arabic enough. And most of the Arabs, Israeli citizens, Palestinian Israeli citizens, citizens they speak both languages because their first language is Arabic, but then they learn and they have to know Hebrew in order to live and work in Israel. Yeah. So most of our audience, you know, the, the Arab side knew both languages and the Jewish side knew mostly Hebrew. So we used subtitles with both languages. Yeah. Uh, you know, on what, a board on the wall, on the, above yeah, the stage. Okay. Yeah, what you call subtitles, right? Yeah. Is, and when we performed uh, abroad in Germany, uh, so we just had, you know, German translation for, for all the text. And, you know, most of the audience also know the story so they can uh, follow. 
Um, yes, yeah, it's not too hard to follow because it's such a well-known story. Yeah. I went to, there's a company in Paris called Theater in Paris, and they do mostly uh, French plays, but they put English surtitles for all the English-speaking people that come. And for so many years, I was thinking, ah, oh, someone needs to do this. This is a a market here that's not being tapped, and then someone did it. <laughs> My hmm. wife is from France, so I spent a lot of time wow, going back okay. and forth. Yeah, it's pretty I'm... pretty neat. I've been to a number of their productions, and it's great. Sometimes they get away with it just by doing shows that don't have, have a lot of language. Like I saw a mime tango. They're doing mime, you know, and tango. And they hmm. weren't talking much. Yeah. It was incredible. Uh, Absolutely incredible. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody gets mime and tango, you know. So, yeah, it's really cool. That's this famous school of Jacques Lecoq, the tradition of uh, of Jacques Lecoq in, in Paris that I, I really find very... Uh, I've heard of this, and I don't remember what it is. What What is it? Yeah. So I think he, he started a school maybe in the 50s or earlier of mime and physical theater and the Comedia dell'arte and... And all this, and this is a tradition, you know, goes back from Jean-Louis Barrault and Marcel yeah. Marceau. And I think he was competing with Marcel Marceau. He has this, he has this school, and it's so actually one of my teachers in in Tel Aviv when I started acting was studied with with both. So he oh. told us a little bit about you know the competition. Then they one of his teachers, Philippe Gaulier, maybe you heard this name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He he, I think he opened a school in 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 London. For, for a few years, and then he moved back to Paris. So Philippe Goliès, as a famous French director and also teacher, keeps this tradition of, you know, out of masks, you know, very physical. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's reminded me of the, this mime tango. There's you know? so there's so much of that in France. There are actually, there are very few, like, regular straight plays. It's a lot of this hybrid sort of performance with mime and dance and... They seem to prefer that. When I was a kid, Marcel Marceau was so popular in the United States. He was on TV here all the time in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. Yeah, I remember as well that there were a lot of, of you know, performances on TV and he was a star. Yeah, right. All the way through the 80s and even in the 90s, I think. Yeah, my, my childhood was pretty much in the 80s. So he, yeah, he was yeah. very famous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, you perform uh, a lot of comedies, is it right? I, I saw some, some of it, you know, some of the publicity. Well, so. le- well, I mean, I've done, I've been doing a lot of musical theater, but I also did just regular plays. I had a theater company here for a number of years with some people. I'm not involved in it anymore, and I. Th- I was when I was, that was my main focus when I went to RADA. Um, right now, I'm just auditioning. Part of the problem is I'm, I'm in the actors union here and we've had so many political changes. There's this, the idea of inclusion, which kind of means <laughs> old white guys like me are currently excluded. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the, yeah it's complex when you have you know the wind of change <laughs> right. and you still you say okay i cannot change 
who I am, I also I also want to work. Uh, exactly. I mean, I was resentful for a while because I had always been like you. I'd always been on the forefront of wanting to include, wanting to give everybody the love and the opportunity. And I always pushed for that. And then all of a sudden, I'm the bad person. You know, like, wait a minute. No, I'm not. <laughs> but I mean, I'm just things are starting to change again and get a little bit more balanced. So I have some hope, but I'm writing a right now. I'm writing a one man show. I had a great grand uncle who from Italy, who came to the United States and tried to become a famous singer. And he didn't see himself as successful, but he wrote a memoir hmm. and I went to Italy and I found the memoir in the library and I copied it. And I had heard that he had written this memoir because I found a book that somebody had written about Italian singers from the early 20th century who had written memoirs. And he was in there. This was my great granduncle. So I got the his memoir and I write I, I just I, I translated it from Italian to English. And now I'm writing the show. So wow, that sounds very interesting, actually. Yeah, just I'm really excited about it. And also, you mentioned that you're you're involved a lot in musical theater. So to make a musical show about yeah. his life, yes, and There's... it's even more interesting that he wasn't like a great star, right? It's but better he... that way, yeah, because he was so very... disappointed with himself. Yeah, yeah, and also like the, it's very humane, right? It's very yep. you can identify with it with the inspiration. Yes. And it's there's very... so many things in there that I identify with. And this is yeah. like, oh my God, this is my relative. And we're experiencing some, I never knew him. I could have known him. He lived in San Francisco, I think when I was a, a little boy. And then he moved to New York, but because my great-grandmother gave him the fare to, to take the boat ride over the United States. No, from France, because he was in France for a little while, to Italy, to San Francisco. And, yeah. but he left San Francisco and went to New York because there wasn't enough opportunity for singers here. He wanted to be big time. Um, hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, and then the last part of the memoir is him. He's, I think he got kind of cynical and he seems kind of fascist. He was like, and so there's two sides of his personality. The other one was like, he seemed to be, he says things that seem to be in support of Hitler and Mussolini, which I found kind of like at first, like, whoa. Yeah. Uh, I don't, it didn't sound like he knew about the terrible things they were doing. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's going to be hard to, to write that part, but yeah. And it's hard to be also not in front of you. What's that? Yeah. I, I think it must be also interesting because you're, as we, as we see as actors that the, the uh, interesting roles are those that you don't tend to understand so much. You don't agree with their choices, right. but then you can see the voyage that, I don't know, some kind of anger and pain made him identify with the fascist movement. Exactly. So it's kind of, you can judge it, but you can still kind of, you know, be curious about it. Yeah, you have to be curious as a performer, right? You can't, I mean, in your personal life, you might make judgments, but then when you're doing the, when you're doing it, you got to be it. You got to be yeah. the guy. and. Most people don't wake up thinking, I am a fascist. I am going to destroy the world. Yeah. You know? They, they believe think they're that. the good guys. Exactly. Everybody <laughs> thinks they're the good guys. 
<laughs> for the most part, unless they're nuts. Yeah. What What you got to sing in this? Uh, so, so he actually recorded two of his songs and put them on a record. So I have those, and I digitized them. So that I and I cleaned up the some of the static, but not all of it because I like I like mm. it. Yeah. So there's the that, and I might sing along with it, or I might sing. Let him. He'll be singing part of it, and then maybe I'll come in and sing the rest. You know. And then he also wrote a bunch, a number of songs that are in his memoir, and they're interspersed all over throughout the memoir. I don't have the music for them. I don't know what they sounded like, but I'm probably going to work with a musician to come up with the mu some music for it. Hmm. That would fit the words, and then yeah. and in an Italian sort of style of the time, and yeah, you can also add it, like hits from the period, you know, Italian hits or something. Yeah, theatrical, yeah, for sure, yeah. And there's all these interesting characters. I mean, right now I'm writing it as a one man show, but maybe I'll, I might, I might expand that. Have you ever seen Fleabag? No, I heard about it. Oh, I heard about it so much, but I haven't seen it. You, you yeah. can actually see the the stage performance of it. So there's a TV series she that she got from it, which was great. You know, it's like eight eight to ten episodes, mm -hmm. and it pretty much follows the story of her one person show. But I've seen both her doing the one person show and and the TV series. It's kind of what gave me the idea to do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like a kind of a show that I'd like to see. Yeah. I've always admired all the incredible things that you do. I always like going on Facebook and hitting translate if you put it in Hebrew. And... <laughs> Thanks. You, know, you always do move. all these really cool ideas all the time. It's so great. I'm much into Shakespeare, as you may know. I know I try you are. to kind of uh, making different you know, ways to find different ways of making a dialogue with, with his writings. But I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to initiate. I'm an independent theater maker. Most of what I do is independent. So I I try to create, you know, the there's a, the pros and cons, right? So the pros are that you can do things you, you dream of doing. And the cons, we know that, right? That you don't have the money and you don't have, you can make a link of it. And, There's no uh, money, the time, yeah. the, the uh, you have to be everything. You have to do everything. Exactly. <laughs> I I'm sort of switching into becoming more of an independent theater maker myself. I'm having I'm not having an easy time changing psychologically, but that's kind of where it's going. And I'm getting older, so I mean, as soon as I got in my sixties, I started count. It's like, like you start counting the days. Like, oh man. What was it like with with your company? Because it's something I I uh, haven't done yet, but I I really think of doing of you know having an independent company of uh, something small that you can you know create your own things. In many ways, it was wonderful. Uh, I started it with a few other people. Like there was like eight of us who started it, and then there was just like two of us or three who were there after fifteen years. It was wonderful until it became extremely politicized. People from the outside coming in, changing everything, kicking me out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Ridiculous reasons that. So that's the problem. I mean, at first, you know, you'll start. It's very ideal, idealized. You have these great ideas, and everyone's on board, and and it tends to happen with every 
small organization, you know, there's like, at first it's wonderful. And then as you get bigger and your reach grows and you have people with other ideas, then it ends up, then it just like, so it ends up like any other institution <laughs> where mm. you can still do great work, but then you have a lot of, you know, people trying to force their will yeah, and ideas. There's a lot of, uh politics in every it's almost every, inevitable yeah yeah that's all i can say i mean so i'd say go for it but just you know try to i mean if i were to look back it would be better to keep it as small as possible hmm. you know, just yeah. start grow, once you start growing it just things get weird yeah yeah that's that's the human condition i guess do you have yeah. I, do you uh do you have to get going there yeah that's what yeah. my, my my kid was uh, so my yeah okay too <laughs> okay <laughs> but it was really great talking with you because yeah it has been so so many years now and it's nice to to catch yes. up on what you're doing also as well so it's interesting for me it was also a moment of you know not thinking just about the situation here but also about you know art and ideas so it was very Fun. It was great talking to you, Dory. I, I mean, our time there at RADA, I think about it all the time. It was just one of the most, for me, it was one of the most like incredible times of my life. I mean, mm. I don't know. I just, I loved it so much. For me too. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was such an inspiring experience. And also the people, you know, just, you know, it, yeah, I take it with me also. For... Me too. I always carry it with me. And everyone was so, talented and passionate about it it's just amazing it's just amazing there was one meeting that we we did a little just a short zoom meeting i think you weren't there during the covid somewhere during the covid period and we have to do it again because you know not enough people were there and just to say hello to each other oh, again. I, I maybe i didn't no. know or i couldn't make it or something we we still have this facebook group we should we should write there uh, yeah, so yeah. once once in a while someone puts something down, we definitely should, and this will go up there for sure. I I, I went cool. to Los Angeles about about th right before about four years ago, and I met with every every almost everyone who's down there. We all met at a bar. Oh, nice, yeah. nice. I think yeah. you, I think you also you you wrote something. Oh, I saw a picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's there was cool. just I think everyone got there except maybe Chris. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there was like, you know, there was like seven or eight of them, of the people in wow. our class. Yeah, it was wonderful. Cool. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, maybe we should it's, do this on a regular basis, like once every uh, couple months or something. I would, for sure. For sure. Like, and I'd love to be updated with, with things that you do. And also this one man show. I love to hear about it. Yeah. And same. I want, definitely want to know what you're doing. Um, and I hope you can start doing stuff again soon. And I really, yeah. really hope and pray that you know what's happening in your area just resolves without more catastrophe i just i'm, I'm my heart goes out to you thanks thanks very much we hope it will end very soon and then uh, yeah let's hope and, and uh, okay <clears throat> thank you yeah thanks let's hey, say could you, that could you send me a a short like a, a bio or something so i can yeah yeah okay yeah, sure all right. I'll send you. In 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 English if I 
Yeah, of course. Yeah, no problem. I'm just I, kidding. I, I, of course you would. <laughs> yes, I have something. You I know, see the Hebrew. Good. It looks like hieroglyphics to me. I'm like, oh my God, how does anybody read that? <laughs> okay. Cool. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll, I'll try to do it t- today even. Yeah. yeah, when you get a chance. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, okay, Dory. Great. Yeah, bye. Let's talk soon. Okay. You too. All right, bye-bye. All right. Well, that was a wonderful conversation with Dory. I hope you enjoyed it. I want you all to take care of yourselves. Try not to watch the news all day long. Have some fun because you deserve to have fun because you are awesome. And I love you all. Take care, everybody. And until next time, I will see you on the boards. Ciao. Imagine there's no heaven It's easy if you